What's going on, my freaks, geeks, and free thinkers out there? Today's episode is pretty fucking cool. Um, I'm really it was I was really excited to have this guy on. Uh, he reached out to me right after the my first appearance on Tinfoil Hat. It was the first person actually to ever reach out and say they wanted to be on the show. Um, his name is Phil Goodrich. He is a professional surfer, um, professional artist. You know, he sells his artwork on the internet and. Um, it was very interesting. Um, I really, really, I'm. I really suggest that you guys check out his art. Um, it's awesome, um, and even his videos of surfing, the guy, the guy rips. But besides that, his life uh, was is interesting. And when Clint and I started this podcast, um, not the Free Thinkers, but the original one, it was. Um, we wanted to inspire people to get out of the matrix. That was uh, our original um, idea of a podcast. And then the free thinker society kind of morphed into something else, but that was the original idea. Well, the no carnival parking morphed into the podcast for the comedy club. Yeah. Right. So, but, but when we were putting our heads together, uh, Clinton and I, we, um, we kind of came up with the idea that we really wanted to talk to a lot of our friends that got out of the nine to five. And that was the, the premise. And we're still going to, do that we're going to still bring on people that figured out how to break the matrix let's just call it and uh, do what they love and doing what you love in my opinion doesn't mean that you're a millionaire it just means that you don't hate what you're doing to me you win if I think you win if you get paid for do what you love and you get by everyone doesn't have to be Joe Rogan and you don't want to shoot yourself <laughs> you don't want to shoot yourself okay hey man how many people do you know Clint that have a ton of money and are miserable a lot. And how many people do you know? But it's fine. They make antidepressants for that. So you can <laughs> still make your $150,000 and take your antidepressants. Work. That's fine. Yeah. Dick doesn't work. Just take take Blue Chew. No, I'm just kidding. Or Viagra. But whatever. But right, man? And, and what about another theme that you and I talk about all the time? Like, yeah, the pandemic sucks. It we Everyone got put in their room, put in their bed. But we've made the best out of it. Uh, we've had fun. We've had fun. We've had some great ideas. This podcast spawned from it. Um, but my point is, is that it's just, uh, it's, it's a different lens. It's a different lens. And I really want to make sure we keep having uh, guests on because that was important. Um, that whole idea was important for us, you know, cause I know you've done it yourself with writing comedy. Um, I've done it with throwing the shows and all that stuff. And I just, we just really want to inspire others to, um, to break free um, whenever you can, you know, and it doesn't mean sometimes it means, uh, I mean, sometimes it means staying up really, really late, um, uh, or doing it while you have the job, whatever it is. But, uh, I just, we just really want to, my goal. And I, I think yours was too, is just to inspire, right? Inspire somebody. Yeah. People, they inspire people or let them know that they don't, you know, you don't have to be miserable. You can do something you enjoy and, um, get by and maybe you don't have that uh, jaguar to rub in your friends faces but you're happy so that's i think uh is better and i know i'm i'm a little i'm blanking right now i for, i didn't take my um was sure wrong and so i didn't take my alpha brain you, today you uh. i also didn't take any cybacillin mushrooms either so i'm <laughs> slow as well so but no but my my point was uh another point i wanted to make was how many rich people were miserable during when we were really in the lockdown when you like couldn't leave your house uh, for me i know a ton of people that were in their penthouse suites losing yeah, their fucking exactly. minds that's what i was gonna say you know 
<laughs> well, this was fun. Clint, anything else? Anything yeah, going on? Yeah, we got to plug uh, Hero Soap. So everybody go check out Hero Soap. Um, and we actually do have a discount code on there. It's just free thinkers with an S at the end. Um, uh, Hero Soap is locally sourced and made in Arizona. It's owned by an Air Force veteran. Your first order, they will match and send to deployed troops. And also there's no uh, harsh or illegal fragrances or parabens that the FDA has decided will shrivel your testicles into tiny little nuts and make you bend to the government's will and do whatever they say. Yeah. Is that- you think fucking soap got, <laughs> you think fluoride can fuck you up? Wait till you yeah. fucking find out what you put in your soap. Yeah, when you rub on your nuts, bro. Yeah. So yeah. go to Hero Soap. You smell delicious. Mike smells like a fucking forest right now. He has the woods. He smells like a forest. Yeah. I mean, no, but Hero Soap, it's the real deal. I love it. Uh, I got to order more because... Um, I was going to say, I'm about there yeah, too. Yeah. I've used up uh, what they, they gave us. I got to order more. I love it. Um, I love what they stand for. And it, no, it's we would never plug something that sucks. Um but yeah, I love Hero Soap. And then also, guys, I want to say um, the Dojo of Comedy, the East Coast edition, is rocking. It's rocking. If you live in the New Jersey area, if you live in the New York area, because there's really not clubs going on in New York City, come out to the Dojo. You can watch Clint sling jokes. You could watch uh, some legends that have been popping in on Wednesdays. I mean, big big names, uh, local legends. I think this weekend we have Rich Voss here, which is amazing. Bob Levy. Bob Le- Bob Levy was last week with Dave Landau from the Anthony Cumia show. This week we got Bob Levy again with Rich Voss, two New Jersey legends. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty um, hefty Wednesday. Yeah, some big shows booked, guys. Um, Definitely check it out. Come say what's up. Uh, Check out a show. Uh, They have been going really fast. So if you do want to go, if you do want to buy a ticket, um, buy them quick because uh, obviously with the restrictions, we're not allowed to have nearly as many people uh, in the audience that we would normally have. Um, They've been so much fun. We love it. Um, To all of our Swarm listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It was a lot of fun. Addicts and drugs not yet synthesized. Black marketeers of World War III. Excisers of telepathic sensitivity. Osteopaths and spirits. Investigators of infractions denounced by bland paranoid chess players. But it's... I can't describe enough how primitive it, it gets out on the island where we are do the local surf because that um, seems like a big expense right if they don't even have they they don't no. like where we are in see we're just south of neos in mm-hmm. this as you go out from sumatra there's little satellite islands that get smaller and smaller right mm-hmm. so on neos island which is to the north of us, there's some locals there, and they surf incredibly well. They're like Balinese locals. Cool. On those two islands, you have professional-level surfers. But to the south, where we are, it's even more primitive, and there are no surfers. So, wow. And, and that's a whole other story. Like, there's a few kids that, that um, 
they take the broken surfboards yeah. from the tourists yeah. and they kind of just ride them like boogie boards. Yeah. But then the owner, it's a long story. The owner of the resort where I work, mm-hmm. he, Does- it, it's sort of like a moral conundrum because mm-hmm. if we were to give them a surfboard, mm-hmm. it, they don't really understand how valuable they are. And they just see us as just people who are on eternal holiday. And so uh, it's a long, it's oh. kind of a long story. Oh, okay. It, okay. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just, that's so wild to me. That's wild, and then there's so many, so many different reasons why that's so wild to me. But one of them is another um, thing that Clinton and I have been doing uh, to the best of ours, and I've been uh, the best we can. I'm trying to encourage anybody else around me. Is like it seems like you took uh, a horrible situation that is that is COVID and turned it into something you'll never ever probably get to do again. You know that you had the you have that that to yourself. I mean, that is, that's price, that's priceless. And that probably will never happen again. Right. I mean, when would you ever, (laughs) you know, I don't know if it's going to happen next year too. Like the way things are going, Australia is even more locked down than we are. I've heard. And 90% of the guests at this resort that I work at are from Australia. The owner is Australian. So we really don't know. I mean, I'll go back next year Mm -hmm. because I, I can get a work visa, but I don't know. Yeah, like like I said, like you said, it may never happen again. Yeah, and, and we were just pinching ourselves. Right. I mean, it was bad for business. <laughs> yes. Yes. For him, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't own the resort, so yeah. I was just there trying to enjoy it. And yeah, like le- like you said, try to make the best of it. And and the way I found you guys, like. Yeah, I, we turned off the Wi-Fi because we had sat we have satellite Wi-Fi at the resort, mm-hmm. so we had to turn it off because it's a little bit expensive. So he was trying to cut costs. Yes. So the way we would get internet is you could hike up about a mile and a half to this one certain spot on the island, and you could get like three G. You could hold your phone up and get a couple bars of three G. So everything like because you had to walk there and kind of like plan it out everything got compartmentalized. So it was like, okay, I got to check in with the wife. Then you would check the swell forecast. And then I got, I already was a fan of podcasts, but then I got even more into uh, getting my information about COVID and, and, and politics from podcasts because I don't know, it's just, it just seems like I was learning more from that than, and from just oh, I'm sure the average, you know, the average news that 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 they try to pump down your throat. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying. I'm trying not to laugh too much. Like that, your only uh, glimpse into civilization is Sam Tripoli screaming. How <laughs> lizard people? No, but that's, that wasn't the only one. That's just no, how I discovered. That's I how I discovered you guys. Because no, I know. it's just a, just in my mind, just thinking of you, like standing there with a cell phone, and the only thing coming in is just yeah, Sam, yeah, yeah. Sam talking about and lizards. He's, like, he's always like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" Yeah. That that I love it. I love but it is funny. Oh, he's, he's and so funny. That's how I found you guys because you were on with um with Tommy G. Yes, and him and. Like, it's funny because my personality, I think, is more like you, where, like, 
normally when you're in a conversation, you you might get like like steamrolled a little bit, like you did on that podcast. But when when they did toss it to you, it seemed like you were more relaxed and measured in what you had to say. And it just it spoke to me more. Like cool, man. I mean, I like the information and I like how Tommy G speaks and how <laughs> Sam speaks, but it wouldn't be someone that I'd be hanging out with at a bar, you know, and that's kind of what I like about podcasts. You can, you (laughs) can eavesdrop in on, on these conversations that you would normally maybe never get to be a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I, um, Clint really pushed me, uh, into this. I had every, um, I'd make every excuse of why we couldn't do it. Um, we were building the studio above the club forever and then covid came we were very close to getting it and like we were ready to start recording then covid came and you know at that point we really thought it was this crazy scary pandemic and at least mm-hmm. i did i'm not going to speak for clint at least i did i was definitely a little bit of a whack job in the beginning i'm not gonna lie i was roped in too i feel like i'd use my hanky <laughs> over my face and i was like you know i bought a biohazard suit i stocked up on ammo i was definitely freaking yeah. out uh but yeah. then this like this this studio was half ready i mean like 85 percent ready to go and it was done and we were rocking and rolling with the club because clint is also a comedian and Mm um you know everything was great and everything stopped and uh after what i don't know a couple weeks of feeling bad for myself clint's like well we are just gonna start the podcast on zoom and i'm like Mm. no and i come up with all the reasons why because i'm a little bit of a perfectionist at sometimes and i'm just thinking Mm. it just gets in my way it's just an excuse is what i'm learning more and uh, thank God this guy pushed me. And then, you know, I'm friends in real life with Sam and, and Tommy. And uh, we would, while this was going on, the, the, the three-way phone calls that we would have should have been podcasts. I mean, yeah. they'd be two, three hours long. And most of the time, uh, Sam, because of the babies, would have to get off. But we would have these just crazy conversations on what's going on. We'd be analyzing pictures. You know, oh, we got this picture of a celebrity. Look it over here. doesn't match. And we, we'd have these. So, so we almost were podcasting without podcasting. So then those guys who have a huge audience asked me to be on. And, and Clint has been in my ear like, we have to start the podcast already. And mm-hmm. Sam was like, if you're going to come on my podcast, you have to have something to tell people to, to catch you on. Um, exactly. So, uh, so we, we started, we took that first step, which is the hardest thing, man. I mean, you, you're doing your thing and it's, a, I, I love the whole, I say exit the matrix. Maybe that's a little corny, but it is true. Like, you know, some people, and I don't want to shit on those people because it's normal. They, they have to work a nine to five, you know, you got to pay your bills. Um, I've done it. Uh, Clint has done it. Um, but just to inspire people to just take that first step and work really, really hard. So you don't have to do what basically you're told you're what you're told to do in society like this is your you're a little worker bee instead i mean you know you just telling me about it threw me off a little bit but i love it about surfing and and how you have one of the best waves in the world at your footstep every i mean that seems like a dream man you know a a simple little one for myself was like i don't get enough time with my kids and i was with them for four months every single day (laughs) It was so cool, you know, like I, you know, I was outside just playing in the yard. Like, you know, I have to cram it into my Sundays or a half a day Monday. And like the fact that it was just weeks and weeks and we started this podcast and uh, built even stronger relationships with comedians, you know, um, the New York, we're in New Jersey. We're right outside. We're, a, you throw a rock to Manhattan. That's how close we are. But, and, and I, and I get it now that, uh, but the New York comics would never come here because, you know, why? And now I get it. They have seven, eight nine clubs they could just bounce around 
and not have to go over the bridge or the tunnel to get here. But now we have uh, relationships with New York Comics. I mean, so many little, there, there's been so many silver, I know that's another corny thing, but there's been so many silver linings in this thing. Um, don't get me wrong. The world is, <laughs> we're not in the best shape. Uh, hopefully enough, uh, enough people keep waking up with conversations like we're having and others. And I'm a firm believer, I don't know where you stand on this, but uh, people can change our thoughts, our actions as a whole in humanity, we could change. So hopefully that this is going to get away from them as well because there's so many more open dialogue and people are talking about great things and inspiring people and, you know, maybe we can uh, actually change for the better. But as far as like using the time of COVID, man, I, I it's going to be one of those things we're going to like romance looking back, I believe. Like, wow, remember those that three months of, of, uh, waking up with your kids every day, you walking outside and surfing the best wave ever just at your footstep. So, you know, I think everything's perspective, right, Phil? It really is. Right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and if you stop and slow down, and if you look if you look at the world the way it's going, you can you can take it two ways. Like you're talking about like I never imagined that I'd have to wear a mask on an airplane or even now in South Carolina, I, I thought when this broke off in, in March, I thought, well, it'll never happen where I live because where I live, it's like Trump country, man. I mean, that's, that could be a good or a bad thing depending yeah. on, on where you land. But I know for me, I'm in the middle politically. And I know people don't believe that that exists. It does. It definitely does. I think it does. It and, does. Like, I voted for Gary Johnson back mm -hmm. in 2016, which mm -hmm. is fine. I mean, he had no chance, and everyone's like, oh, that's just a vote for whoever, you know? Yep. But but to your point, if you stop and look around, you can look at it two ways. It's either, like, I can't believe what's happening. This is crazy. This is insane. People are losing their mind with COVID. Or you can stop and pivot like you guys are doing. Like, I know, I don't know all that much about you and Clint, but, I mean, Clint was a freestyle motocross and then your career can only last so long mm -hmm. in a sport like that and because what it does to your body and the risk and, and you know and there's only so much room at the top for the elite riders you know so if you can either become bitter and fold your arms or you can like embrace what you can do podcasting comedy i can't even imagine the balls it takes to stand up beginning off in comedy and like oh i'm gonna make people laugh you know like that's to me that's a hundred times more scary than than surfing over shallow reef i don't have kids but i mean i understand the concept i got dogs and i got a wife that i'm really close to mm -hmm. so like you can use this time <laughs> it's like a an open opportunity to like capitalize on what's happening Yes. Like you said. Yes. Well, most big changes in uh, people that go from, you know, poor to rich or make big moves usually happens in a downturn and they see mm -hmm. where they can take advantage or at least, you know, mm -hmm. um, not, you know, just flounder like a lot of, a lot of the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I just think I, I, it's been a theme lately, and I just feel like there's been so many uh, coincidences, which there's no such thing in my opinion either, but that first step is so important. It's just that fir that first step is the hardest step in anything. So if it's if it's getting out of the nine to five, if it's uh, pursuing your, your career in art, 
if it's whatever it is that that, that calls to you and it, and it's the 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 thing that you want to do um there's never been a better time in my opinion to focus on it and do it um yeah i mean if you have anxiety and all that stuff yeah it could get scary for sure if you're you know if you're losing your job or you can't pay your bills but hey we're, one thing that's kind of interesting with this situation is literally we are all in the same boat mm, so that's that's uh, you know you know i've had i've had uh businesses that you know caught fire uh flooded out and it was like just me you know so it was more of a a, a pity party this is like hey this is affecting everyone and um you know how can you take advantage of it um you know back to but just to your story um do you mind me asking you some questions i think it's really cool like the first just the tinfoil hat in me i have to i i can't let you get buy this without asking a few questions so it says your dad worked for nasa can i ask you some stuff about that is that cool for sure man you can ask me anything that, awesome. that's what i crave i crave honesty cool okay so how was that <laughs> like how was that like my dad works for nasa like what that's so cool <laughs> is it yeah it, re it really was cool growing up um not only did he work for nasa and i mean he's basically I mean, you could say he's a rocket scientist, but to be more accurate, he's more like a, a project engineer. He would he manage the people that run software and hardware and he'd bring them together, more specifically like uh, to stabilize rocket fuel when it was on the ground. He would bring together the projects and like ro <laughs> robots that would spray the tiles on the space shuttle. Um, they had to spray this toxic chemical onto the tiles of the shuttle so it wouldn't burn up coming through the atmosphere. So <laughs> my dad, he's still alive. He's not working at NASA anymore. But growing up, he was the one that got me into surfing. He, he had, we were in Florida, and he had this friend at work. And I think he kind of had like, you know when nerds kind of have like a man crush on the cool guy at work? And this guy <laughs> happened to surf. And so I was like nine or 10 years old and he came home from work one day and he's like, Hey son, uh, what do you think about surfing? You know, would you like to start surfing? And I was like, yeah, cool. It sounds mm -hmm. great. So it was like my dad and his friend got me into surfing. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, it just really worked out because we lived right by the ocean. <laughs> and you happen to live in this spot where Kelly Slater's from, right? Exactly. <laughs> and same age too. Wow. It was like, I came up when he was coming up. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty unique place. I mean, you guys have heard of Cocoa Beach, but then to the south, there's like six little beach communities that are right next to each other. Yeah. And it, the epicenter is at this wave called Sebastian Inlet. And there's just this wave. I guess it's a bit like Manasquan Inlet over in Jersey where yeah, you guys have, yeah, where, yeah. where this wave kind of bounces off the jetty and it, it makes it um, it makes it more uh, dynamic. The wave, the shape of the wave, um, is affected by the jetty. That's and so yeah. That's that's where we came up. Like Kelly Slater, C.J. Hobgood, and then there's like ten or fifteen guys you wouldn't have heard of, but just absolutely rip. They're just murderers in the water, but yeah, they just didn't they didn't make it onto the um, WSL tour. It's interesting, man. I've been thinking lately so much about how uh scenes let's call them a scene or uh the early days like it just happens right where all of a sudden a bunch of comedians are all young in this one area well that's what i was actually just gonna ask like how much 
and I semi know the answer. I mean, with with I heard was Kelly not like a you know like somewhat of a prodigy as a young kid too. Oh, for sure. I mean, we were fans from the first time I saw him. He was competing from the time he was like six. I didn't get into competition until I was like twelve or thirteen, and so, we would be on the beach watching him like fans and. I mean, from the wow. beginning, oh, wow. it was just like, this guy is going to be... He was like Sean White. You know oh, how okay. Sean yeah, White yeah, was like, like, as I a little teeny yeah, kid, yes. everybody knew who well, yeah, Sean White was already. Okay, wow. Um, so, but how much do you think that having that one person there, like how many professional level uh, um, surfers came out of that little teeny area in Florida? Gosh. A bunch, right? A bunch, yeah. And it was because, I think because he raised the level. Exactly then, where I was going with that. Yeah, it's probably the same with like freestyle motocross and even, I mean, even more obscure with comedy. You know, you, you have one killer that comes in. But, yeah. And then other people, it's just like, you, you see what's possible. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. exactly and if you can relate to people, I say it all the time. When I first got into freestyle, all I saw was people in magazines or on videos so it was hard to relate to them because i didn't mm -hmm. know them on a personal level but once you start going to events and you actually meet people and you have conversations with them and hang out with them yeah and you're just normal people then you watch them do something now all of a sudden in your head there's like a switch where you're like oh like maybe i can you know do this yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's like that. It's a combination as well too. Like there's like a little bit of luck or uh, whatever going on too. I mean, if you guys look back and you see like I forget, I think it's in California. You'll see like high school where it's like uh, uh, Tom Morello and like um, some. I think some of the Chili Peppers and yeah, some of the members of, of to Tool. <laughs> like, and they're all like in the same high school. You're like, what the? F this is crazy, man. This is yeah. so cool. But it's like, you know, and that's not. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe maybe someone ripped on the guitar i don't know and it brought it up but definitely raises the bar if you're around someone that that's probably true well even right? the thought process like what's the really Change the difference the between or... a lot of people but yes. thinking you can and knowing you can or believing you can you know what i mean that's a lot of the times the difference between that's people that are just a um amateur level guy and somebody that wow. then believes in themselves that they can take it to the next level and become a professional that's really cool. I really never thought about it. You have a uh, like a prodigy, let's call it, how it could uh, could change a whole uh, – it could change an entire genre or whatever, sport. doesn't matter. Well, I mean that's MMA. the whole – That's so cool. Like that's one the person whole, can like, raise the bar. That's the whole ghetto thing, right? Like people that are in a shitty area only peep, see people – the only people that have money like sell drugs or whatever. So that's what they learn. And you never see anybody get out. So that's what you learn. Where in the reverse, if you're around people that are like doing things, you go, oh, well, he can do it. You know, mm -hmm. and you get inspired that way, too. Yeah. I mean, all that thing, you know, whether it is energy or whatever is contagious, you know. Yeah, that's just really cool, man. That, that one, pretty much one guy inspired all of a, a group of surfers. And then that's that's wild. That's really wild. Um well, another que uh, uh, a, a question I, I always wanted to ask, and I feel comfortable to ask you, it's kind of a probably stupid question, but uh, Phil, so how does um, how does it happen that a, a, a wave in a certain area, like you said, Manasquan, is you, I guess you said about the jetties, right? But how I, that's so it always blew my mind. Like it's pretty much almost the same wave comes through there. Like is that what it's? How does that work? 
that's like you know, when you watch competitions and you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm saying the word wrong with like a pipeline. When I was a kid, it was called a pipe, right? A pipeline or where it's the, uh-huh. and it's, they're pretty, that wave will run through pretty what? Like, like, is that a, I'm not saying well, it right, but. Well, that wave, well, pipeline's breaking over a reef and it's a shallow reef. Okay. And so, um, when the wave comes from deep water and it breaks over sh- it and it suddenly comes over shallow water, uh, it attracts the, okay. the energy from underneath the wave. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes from very deep, there's a lot of power coming from the um, deep water swell. And when it, when it explodes onto a shallow reef, then it slows down from the energy in the bottom. And, but then the lip is still tall, the top, the top of the wave, and it pitches out. And that's how you get the hollow barreling oh. waves, like in pipeline. And then, out in front of the resort where we are. I don't know if you watched that video I sent, like mm-hmm. the little sizzle reel. I did, yeah. Um, there's like actually a rock that sticks out. Oh like God. even at high tide, it sticks out of the water. It's that shallow. And so the wave where it's breaking, it's literally from knee high to chest high deep water. And you get oh, like shit. six or eight feet eight feet foot waves breaking over this shallow reef. And, and that's what causes the, um, the barreling part of the wave. Oh, wow. Okay. Now that makes perfect sense about the, the reef and okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, just, and then it's, as far as Manasquan and, and Sebastian, um, um, those, those have sand bottoms, but, um, the jetty, the jetties at, at Sebastian Inlet and Manasquan, they, um, sand collects, um, right next to the jetty and so you get a shallower sandbar in it and that can also affect you know like when the waves okay. coming from deep water onto shallow water that can that can also make a hollow wave or a playful wave cool. it depends on the contour of the bottom wow all right i always want to know that i, I could have probably googled it but why not ask yeah that? it's not a dumb question at all <laughs> i mean if you don't surf it, it's i mean that's the whole reason that i'm getting paid at this resort now um mm-hmm. is i'm a surf guide and if you tell someone that it's like you're a surf guide, it just sounds, I mean, a little bit stupid because surfing is one person, one wave. Mm-hmm. But the way it is around the, the resort, there's like four other small islands. So you have about 12 different choices of waves. And so every morning you have to read the conditions and make a decision of where to take these guests that are paying, you know, like yeah. 300 bucks a day. Wow. to stay at this resort and and the conditions change depending on the wind and the tide and so as a guide you have to wake up in the morning and you have to corral these 10 australian surfers that are all going oh, to surf somewhere and you have to make a call and you have to seem confident about it and i mean it really is <laughs> it's really is a job but it's you still get to surf so you're, you're getting paid to there. surf and you're and you get to hang out with australians who are yeah uh, very fun people. Yes, in I have to agree. I have to agree. Australians are awesome. I don't know what's going on in their country right now. Who knows? Oh. You know, who knows if? I mean, maybe you have firsthand. Is it a lot of that stuff true? Because is it true? With uh, have you heard like about the uh, was it they're doing for, forced vaccination? As you heard it, is that actually true? Because sometimes you see stuff on the internet mm-hmm. or you. They haven't started the forced vaccinations, but they are really limiting who can even leave the country and who can come in. Wow. And also in certain provinces down in the south, like Victoria, mm-hmm. they had an outbreak. And so the government really locked them down to where 
people in that district, well, I guess it's a state, it's Victoria province. Yes. Uh, they can't leave um, within five miles of their house. I mean, that was of Holy maybe a week ago. And you probably heard about the, the, the pregnant lady that was organizing a protest yes. on Facebook yep. and the cops showed up yeah. preemptively and arrested her. And all that is really true. That's really happening, right? And yeah, and they've, they've had only deaths, like less than 700 deaths in the whole country. But, you know, the argument they're making for that, for the lockdown is, well, we're not having deaths because we locked down, you know? So it's hard to say, but I mean, I was surprised because normally Australians are such free spirits. I was surprised mm-hmm, to hear mm-hmm. that they would even accept being locked down. I feel like it's part part of a test, man, to see how much will we allow. They accepted getting rid of their guns. Yeah, they sure did. They yeah. turned them in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they uh, love to to stir up conversations about how violent we are and uh, Oh really? Yeah, it's <laughs> really interesting in our healthcare too, like because they have um a universal social, socialized medicine, you know. But, yeah. Well, you know, I um, this 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 whole thing to me is like a you know I I do you know I I go deep into all the conspiracies and I I I will listen to all of them and they're all fun to me they're all fun to me this is not so much fun but I do think this is almost a drill or a test and just to see how much they could push us um and I think yeah. uh, like my 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 good buddy Sam says another thing that got away from them this totally got away from them this I. I have been saying, and it's funny, I could talk about lizard people and all crazy shit, but whenever I bring this up, people are like, you're crazy, you're nuts. I really believe they're coming down on stand-up comedy and the bars because I'm around all those people all the time, around people that, and it is, this this uh, COVID and this lockdown and what the government has done has, in my opinion, brought more people together. The people that I know are left-wing, are left-leaning, I should say, or right-leaning, they all, at this point, very few are are sick and tired of it and and mm-hmm. have you know so i think i think that's what the whole thing about like in new york they can't do it stand-up comedy is like old school raves like they're doing them illegal like you know we'll give you the location and a half an hour before and it's like it's really cool in a way but it's also terrible but i think it's because they don't want pe- because most people are saying how it's all bullshit scamdemic and saying all this stuff when people have a couple of drinks in them they start talking you know to yeah. each other at the bar about this stuff and uh, I think people are. I think we got played. I really do. I, I not that I'm like some <laughs> revolutionary for saying that. And I think uh, that it's, it was a test to see. Okay, how much can how much can you push? I mean, I literally wear the mask that uh, we know. It says everywhere when you buy it. This is like a, a snow or face shield. This is not for back, um, viruses. But yet right. that's but that's accepted. Like everyone knows that. But it's like okay, just to you know because you're 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 playing along. Um, but I think it got away from them. I really do. I think people are sick and tired of it. And I think it's another thing that they thought was going, whoever they are, I don't know, deep state, whatever you want to call they, it's like, you know, what can we get the the people to do? Um, I'm definitely nervous. I don't know about you, Phil, but I am nervous, Clint, about November. I am. Uh, I think either way, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. And I feel like no matter what's going to happen, it's not going to be the pretty or the media is not going to portray it, portray it as pretty. So I am. I'm not. I would be lying if I said I'm not a little nervous. What's going to happen in November? But 
My guess is Trump wins again, and then shit hits the fan. You know. Yeah. And then, I, like the I hardcore. Really, I have no idea. Yeah. I agree with everything you've said so far. I mean, I'm. I am obsessed with conspiracy podcasts to the point where what I believe changes day by day. But if nothing else, I think Sam says it a lot. It's just way more interesting to see the world that way, whether it's true or not true. Mm-hmm. And with, with mm-hmm. podcasts, you can, you can pause it. You can actually like hold people's words up to the light yep. and like spin them around and like, wait a minute pause get on the internet search that and don't just stop on on snopes or politifact you know like there's whole layers of it where like can use fact google checkers anymore. are being funded by bill and melinda yeah. the gates foundation yeah. you can fu- you can trace the money yeah. to to these fact checkers and and you can but going conversely on the other side you can you can find all these fringe people where, where you can't really be sure if that information's true. So you really have to stop and like, I don't know. Like you said, I, I really enjoy conspiracy podcasts, but you have to, you have to be careful because just when you think something is like, aha, gotcha. Then you really have to like, it, it, you have to be responsible and, and look into it. And it's, and you can find, sources that seem credible on both sides but yeah like like yeah. you're saying it's, it's just infinitely more interesting who who they are like yeah. i mean like who are who they who would want to do this and and you have to like look at it like is this really true like is bill gates this this evil genius is george soros mm-hmm. does he really want this chaos yeah and, and a lot of things point to yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> a lot of but you don't want does. it to be true. You, you would try to tell that to your family and, and even my wife, like she doesn't want to hear it. Like yeah. she doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, she's not against mm-hmm. what I'm learning, but she just doesn't want to know about it, which is cool. I mean, not everyone, not everyone wants to, to, to go down the rabbit hole. That's very true. Uh, I won't mention names, but there's a there's a few comedians, big name comedians that I've spoke to, and they flat out said to me, uh, they hate that shit. Don't bring it up. And it's like yeah. basically like their thing is like later on, I got to get closer to the, these guys, and they were like, the reason why he doesn't like it is because you know he it's basically he didn't want to become awakened. He knows that there's so much bullshit out there that it's like mm-hmm. don't he doesn't even want to take the red pill. Which I, I kind of now that I've 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 taken it and and it's been a long time I get it. There's certain mornings that I'm like I wish I didn't know any of this shit. I was ignorant and I could just take my kids to Disney World and enjoy it and not look at every fucking piece of symbology and all this like just so <laughs> much thick, thick shit. In the man. Disney logo. Oh my god, dicks everywhere and just shit, like it's just everywhere. You know, when I was a kid, we we, we we when I was in the 90s, I remember like seeing the sex in the clouds and all this stuff and we just thought it was like a, a pervert must have, just maybe like some some there's some pervert that thinks he's funny with his friends. That's what I thought. And then, you know, when you have the internet and you have all these people doing this research and you see, okay, this is way way deeper than just some some pervert that could be like, "Hey man, I got sex in the clouds at Aladdin. Wait till you wait till you see what I just did. No, this shit's yeah. crazy. Uh, there's no denying that. I mean, Tommy G and Tommy G, I think in particular, broke that whole Wayfair thing. I mean, that's nuts. That that whole thing was out of control. I mean, it just gets. But what I want to ask you is, what do you think about this whole like flat Earth thing? I mean, you you were raised by somebody <laughs> that works in NASA. 
Yeah. So how do you, um, like, what do you think about that? Does that make you crazy? Like, oh my God. Because that one gets people really upset. It sure does. Yeah, that one um, actually gets people upset. Yeah. I'll, you know, I've had a few conversations with my dad. Yeah, I mean, I really trust what he has to say, you know, because he worked there and everything. But, you know, I really don't know. I, I don't think the earth is flat. and <laughs> But... You know, I can see, <laughs> I've listened to, to flat earth arguments and, yeah. and I can understand that, that things aren't always what they seem, mm -hmm. but you know, I really, I don't know. I, do, I don't get stuck on, on an argument like that because I'm never going to go to space. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's not my thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember in 2012, this Brazilian guy at, at one of the at one of the resorts I was working at, mm -hmm. surfer guy, he's like, "Oh, your dad works at NASA, man." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah." He's like, "Ask him if we really went to the moon." Yeah, there you go. And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like, it, <laughs> I had never even I had never considered up until that point that. It oh, really? Be. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a cool perspective, right? I mean, your dad works for NASA. Why would you even? question that okay go ahead Phil. this is cool yeah so when, when i asked my dad about it he's just like what what are you even talking about like he, he he was the same way like i don't think he's ever considered it so you know i don't know what to think about it you know like i don't know i don't know if you saw um <laughs> kelly slater did an ama ask mm -hmm. me anything with a lady astronaut that was on the space station oh, really? while it was in orbit. Okay. And you can kind of see like a, a feed like this where she was on the space station. He was asking questions. Okay. And you could kind of see out the window and, and the, the earth as she's orbiting. But, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I just don't know to your point. I mean, Hey, there's so there's so many things that's, that you can go down rabbit holes. I I, I really haven't gone. That's one that's tricky for me because when a when a scientist, I don't I don't I'm not smart enough to compute with. It. I'm just going by what they say. You know, mm -hmm. if he tells me that's what you know when they just shut down um, the arguments of flat Earth. Um, I my gut I go with my gut a lot because I I always say all the time I believe that we are so much stronger and greater creatures than we even know. And I do believe in the gut more than anything. And I go with my yeah. gut and my gut tells me something is up, but I also think my gut also tells me that I believe that this might be another just tool to get us to chase our tails while the real stuff is going on that we're getting mm -hmm. too close to, you know, there's too many other things that are uncovering that, you know, uh, the George Soros name is a household name. I mean, there's people that are not into conspiracies that are talking about sorrows, right? They're talking yeah. about things. So we're getting close. So then I, you know, psyops, right? That's what a real psyop is. So I, if we have flat earth listeners, I'm not, I'm, I'm into all of the, anything that's out there. I love it. I want to hear about it. I want to learn about it. I'm not shitting on flat earth. I'm yeah. just saying that I believe if, if, if there was a psyop, I could totally see that one. And people say, yeah. oh, well, they banned all the YouTube and all that. Well, exactly. If you want to make it look real. You you go after it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's that's my opinion. Um, possible with, and I think there's quite a few. I bet you there's psyops that I'm all into. Who knows? You know, I mean, that's part of it. Misinformation and you know, getting you to.
go down a rabbit hole, waste your time worrying about something like something like flat Earth, and it gets people angry. That's what I like it as as a troll level. I love it. Like my friend, I have. Not all my friends are conspiracy theorists. I hate that word. It's why we call the free thinkers. But not all my friends think this way. Not all my friends are, you know, I don't hang out, out in an echo chamber. But when I like to troll a friend and, and really mess with them, I will put on the dumbest flat earth video and pretend I'm really into it <laughs> just to piss them off. <laughs> like my yeah. really, yeah. Because they know you're susceptible too. So they're like, oh, this is the new thing Mike's into. Like I'll find the dumbest one that looks like an eight-year-old made it and be like, stop, I'm watching. I've done it quite a few times. They're like, you really believe this? Hey, I have a, a theory that nobody, a, a conspiracy theory, I've never heard anybody say. Uh, do you know any surfers with eczema? Huh. That's a good question. I guarantee you, you don't. I don't no, I don't think I do. See? My wife, my wife gets it sometimes, but she doesn't surf. So. Exactly. Yeah. Why aren't we just prescribing salt baths or something? Wait, like, really? How did you know on? this? I don't know. Salt heals all kinds of shit. How and I'm like, you... I guarantee you people that spend that much time in salt water do not get some kind of skin condition like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Huh. I, 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 know, I know personally I love the ocean. Um, towards the, the last, couple, last month I haven't made it, but I was making a, a habit of at least once a week. I feel like it's a battery. As soon as I sit on that sand, get that salt water... Like, I just get refreshed and recharged. I could go there, like, so tired. And I don't know. To me, it's just such a battery. I feel like I, at least my body was meant to be on a beach, have that ocean, have that salt water. It is like a cure-all, if you ask me. Oh, for sure. It's it's a major source of oxygen, too. When a wave breaks, um, it, it's tra- it's uh, releasing heaps of oxygen when, when a wave crashes. That's why all the foam? Mm-hmm. Awesome. And also, it, it's the largest thing, like the Earth, our Earth is made up, I don't know what percentage, it's like 80% water. So, I mean, if you can go down to the sea and touch touch the, touch the ocean, you're, you're touching the largest thing that you can, you can touch on this planet that we're on, whether you think it's flat or round. But, <laughs> yeah, if you can connect with it, I mean, there's, there's nothing larger. And we haven't even made it to the depths of the ocean. So, there the mysteries involved yeah. it's just it is really inspiring it is i mean i i think i i it's amazing to me that you have we haven't been to the bottom of the ocean right so how do we know what is all the way down there how do we know that that's not where the aliens or the other beings come from i i believe that's probably more so like there's there's i i, I believe there's all kinds of uh beings that could be interdimensional who knows but i that the ocean's got to be the like to me it's so wild we should all be our minds should be so fucking blown <laughs> that mm. our planet is mostly water mostly oceans we haven't we haven't explored the entire thing it's right right here right i mean it's we still like well, how, how often do we find a new species it just it blows my oh, mind all the time all the time <laughs> it's like wild it's so wild i mean that you could get tripped out just thinking about the ocean um and how you know the depth of it? Uh, like I said, I, I you could go down rabbit holes of seeing um, crafts, right? That just whoosh, I don't know if you ever seen. You guys ever seen those videos where crafts go? They come, they emerge from the ocean or go down oh, the ocean. Crabs, crafts, like uh, you know UFOs. I mean, oh yeah, the videos are always spotty, but they do always seem to like just shoot up out of the ocean or just shoot down into it. I, I don't know. I think it would. Who knows if it could be military stuff as well? But easily, you know, yeah, I got yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know how, 
what I believe about UFOs. But one time when I was out surfing, it wasn't this year, but it was about three years ago, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And where, where you sit in the lineup, there's all these small islands that you can see out, out beyond where you sit. And uh, it was coming on dusk. And, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw like it was a light pink light. Mm-hmm. And it hovered down to where I thought it might be a drone because sometimes mm-hmm. um, boats show up and, and guys bring their drones to, to film some surfing. Yeah. And it just it sank behind the island. By the time I by the time I caught it and looked over it, it sank behind the island. And I was like, "Wow, that was really weird." But I didn't think much of it because I was in the middle of surfing. And then just just this season, with all my podcasts, um, I found this one that I just love. It's I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called yeah. um, "Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture." with this guy Isaac Weishaupt. Oh, Isaac and, uh, Weishaupt, I know the name. I know that yeah, name. Okay. I was getting really into his podcast, right? And um he's like um the higher side chats where they have yes. like a um Patreon feed. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And um I didn't you know like I didn't know if I wanted to to pay for it. It, it probably wasn't that much mm-hmm. to be on his Patreon feed, but I just put it out there like I love the way I got my start. My art career, a big part of it was to trade art, either trade art for accommodation or trade art for something I might want to do or, or be. And, yeah. and that really worked. So I had just heard one of his podcasts that I loved, and I was like, man, I'd really like to hear the second half of this. So I just shot him an email <laughs> or a private message in Instagram, and I was like, hey, man, love your podcast, blah, blah, blah. Would you ever be into trading a Patreon subscription for a painting? <laughs> Yeah, and he got right back to me, and he's like, yeah, I, I, that's a cool idea, whatever. And he, he's like, hey, have you ever done a UFO? <laughs> and I was like, nah, nah, but but I might have seen one about two years ago. And he's like, I, I like how you do the waves. He's like, why don't you do a UFO, you know, like that scene that you saw. Yeah. And so I ended up, like, trying to recreate what I saw, and, and he loved it. And so now now he's my first uh, podcast that I'm, I'm subscribed to with the, I get the private feeds and this and that you know it's it was was really fun it was a fun little project that's awesome um i i think i saw a ufo uh, a couple times but i i think it might have been a military drone it had to be so i was um it was a few years ago uh after an ayahuasca ceremony we were all on the (laughs) (laughs) we were oh of course you saw no 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 it was it was it was like after the ceremony a bunch of other people that were there we drove to a beach it was, it was uh, actually it was the next day now, and the sun was going down, but it it, it couldn't have been a it's a UFO because it's an unidentified flying object for sure. I don't know if it, I wouldn't call it alien, but guys, it was the biggest three of the biggest drones I guess you'd call them I've ever seen in my life, like almost the size of a plane, uh, maybe bigger, and they were in perfect unison the three of them like that almost that triangle and the way they were moving it was so weird and then whoosh, they were gone. Um, and that was in Jersey? No, uh, this was in, I guess I could say Florida. I, I try to keep it, uh, hidden where those ceremonies were, but yeah, in Florida, this was in Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. but, um, I don't think, I think all those shamans left that area anyway now, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, but it was, it was great. It was, and it was like silent. You didn't hear them. I mean, it was, it had to be military drone. 
because it, it just looked like if you took it's just wild and then i saw in uh, arizona i definitely saw some kind of craft or it could have been military but it was more of the traditional kind of uh you know uh what do you say like discs type thing um, yeah but you know it's uh i also think it's really cool that you traded your art uh for a podcast i love i love where we're headed man i feel like um hollywood is done you know people are podcasting everywhere you know you just it's such a cool time like you just hit up you, you hit up an, uh, a person on a podcast right and then he gave yeah. you you know like when when we were younger you could never have access to somebody you admired whether it was their music or their art like yeah, that's another really cool part of this world that we're in right now and and oh, so so true it's so awesome man i mean like um blows my mind but back to your story man so you know you went through a a, a, a dark time right and and things were rough for you and uh you know which that's where i i, I got a little choked up because i've unfortunately i lost a lot of my friends to uh drugs mm. a lot right most of all my uh, I, all my not all most of my good friends from the past and the ones that i did a lot of uh, amazing creative projects with are gone uh you know they didn't make it uh through that that dark time mm. um and i saw that you went through that and uh you lost a friend and um it was that dark. So why don't you tell us? Why don't you just tell me a little bit or you feel comfortable uh, talking about and then the spark that kind of. Yeah, well, that's a long story, but I'll tell you, like going, going even further back to my dad, you know, and UFOs and NASA at the same time when he brought home that surfboard, he was getting into Christianity mm -hmm. and um, he he got really into it, like born again, still is, you know? Yeah. And I was young enough to where he he came home one day and, and got into my record collection. I was into rock and roll records. It was funny. It's like hair metal, like rat, and <laughs> yes. sister or whatever. <laughs> and at that time, in the mid-80s, it was right in the middle of that. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they called it Satanic Panic. Oh, I remember. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and um, so he found all these rock and roll records. And he's like, you know, son, these, these, this music is from the devil. <laughs> and he brought it out to the garage and he, and he sawed each one of them in half with the jigsaw, right? Wow. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm enrolled in Bible studies and, and they're telling me this and that. And, and it really affected me. Like to where I got scared about what happens when you die. Oh wow! Okay. And I became a Christian too. Mm -hmm. And um, and I tried to keep it up through my teen years, you know, and that was whatever struggle. Mm -hmm. But by the time I went to university and moved out to San Diego, I was still trying to live that way, you know. But I've always been attracted to that little bit of darkness and like what's on that other side, you know, and kind of tempting fate and. Yep. danger and, and dark music and like black sabbath mm -hmm. and like this is a long and winding story but something happened at at this surf spot this really localized surf spot where where the university that i was enrolled in it sits right on a cliff um sunset cliffs in san diego mm -hmm. and there's this spot that's just really localized by these older guys that are just angry if anyone comes around and i would surf there alone 
and they would just constantly yell at you and and just get out of here, blah blah blah. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with localism and surfing. Just from the movies, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, one, after about seven years of it, I got I got into a fight with one of the locals, and uh, I don't know if you can see me, but I'm I'm about six feet tall and 140 pounds featherweight. Yeah. And uh, I made the wrong decision to get to fight the guy, and I got stomped out Oof. really bad. Yeah. And and the rest of the guys came in. They they broke my board, and it, I mean it was. It was a life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. I got my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of sent me on this downward spiral of like really angry and upset and, and dark. And I took this turn like in San Diego and I I started going to this dive bar and I met this dude that was like, <laughs> he was kind of fascinating guy. He was like this really dark, dark guy that was, that seemed, and we kind of, got into the same things at the same time, you know, like it was around the time, like mid nineties, Kurt Cobain and grunge and black Sabbath and all. And after that fight, I got into this really downward spiral where like, next thing I know, he's like, Hey, you ever smoke heroin? (laughs) And for some reason I was like, nah, let's do it. You know, just making decisions like that. Just, on a dime you know yep mm-hmm. and then that led to um to uh i was like man this is kind of lame you ever shoot it yeah <laughs> and uh the surfers gotta take it to the extreme <laughs> yeah <laughs> and next thing you know two years of my life gone by and it was like yeah. uh, about as dark as it gets <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. Yes, but you pulled yourself out of it, man. I did, but did. he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he was the one that was funding most of it. He was a uh, mm. heating and air conditioning guy. Yeah. So he always had like rolls of cash. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah. When that happened, when he purposely OD'd himself. Mhm. Yeah. That was heavy. <laughs> I lost my best friend the exact same way, man. So I totally could relate to you. Um, that's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, ironically enough, that was sort of the turning point where um, right around 9-11, um, my dad called me and he's like, hey, I found this savings bond that I forgot about, and it's in your name. It's worth twelve hundred bucks, and you know you have a passport here. You should get out of there, like do something else. He, you know, I've always been honest with him what I was going through. Yeah. And at that same time, I had a friend that just got back from Indonesia, and he told me all about his trip. And uh, yeah, that was right after nine eleven. I took that savings bond and I just bought a ticket. And I was still surfing through that whole dark period, but you know, it was it was different, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that started, you know, just just having that that moment, that pivot and that savings bond and the passport that opened up 
this whole second chapter, this last 20 years in, in Indonesia. It's amazing. Does that, does it's that amazing. make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I just, I really hope, um, even if one person just gets inspired by that story, uh, once again, it's just a lot of, I mean, it's language. We got to use certain words. Coincidence, not coincidence. But his his dad finding that at at the wrong time, and he just takes a that first step again. A lot of buzzwords, but I know we're using guys, but it's just true. He takes that first step. He goes to Indonesia, and Phil. I mean, I know we just talked about some heavy stuff, but you're living a good life, man. Um, oh, I don't think life maybe. is measured in in. I don't know your financial situation, but to me, like as I get older, life is not measured in 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 bank in zeros and bank accounts. It's it's measured on I know a lot of rich guys that are miserable. Honestly, yeah. I, I've said this quite a few times in the podcast. My friends that have a lot of money um, are not handling this pandemic well. Um, but it's the guys that figured things out. And the fact that you, the little bit of the coincidence that you got, you got the, the, the passport and the bond, and then boom, you go to Indonesia. And now it's 20 years later. I mean, that's a job that, we, uh, being a surf guide, I'm using air quotes because it's so much cooler than just a surf guide, that you're in Indonesia and not, you know, a we haven't even brought up your art, and you create this amazing art. And uh, to me, that is that spark. That's that first step that's just fucking inspiring. So fucking amazing. I just can't. Um, you took, you took uh, uh, the darkest time of your life and somehow changed it and turned it into, uh, I mean, dude, like the beginning of our conversation, you, ha- you have the best wa- one of the best waves in the world, and you had it yourself this year. Yeah, uh, it's... It was madness, and and as far as the art, the art thing goes, like some people, I get people that will email me and they're like, "How do you how do you sell your art? What's what's the first thing I should do? What should I do? You know?" And I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, you know. Yeah. But the way I did it was, I've never had a gallery represent me or anything, mm-hmm. but when social media came around. My theory was, um, since I'm not a super outgoing person, um, what I did was I started posting them online, and they're not really that big or giant mm-hmm. work, and I make them affordable, you know, like a couple hundred dollars, like between mm-hmm. 200 and 500 dollars, right? Wow. And that way, people can look at it online and it's not this major commitment and you don't have a gallery, you don't have to pay, you're not paying for someone that to speak for you. You know, you put it online, people see it, they either like it or they don't. And a lot of artists get caught up with like yeah. perhaps overvaluing their art mm-hmm. just because it, it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. And, and my work does mean a lot to me, but in the same way, I'm willing to let it go for a couple of hundred bucks. And if you sit down and stop and you're like, Oh, well, I worked on this 50 hours and break it down. You know, you're like, Oh, I'm making the same amount of money as if I worked at a fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you break it down that way, sometimes it's like, Oh, you know, what am I doing? Yes. But in the same way, if you're moving a lot of art, you know, I mean, I'm in sweatpants and bedroom slippers most of the days, you know, like I'm chilling and and I can drop anything when I am in America and I can go surfing, go drive to North Carolina and go surf. Exactly. It's the quality of life is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, 
an amazing, I don't want to over romanticize it. You know, I, yeah. I, I live in a tiny two bedroom house. Mm-hmm. I have a really cool wife, two dogs. And, and just this year we paid off the house, Shoot, which dude. is that, you fucking, amazing. You made like it. An amazing you made feeling. it. That's the American dream not, now. Yeah, not everyone. <laughs> no, not everyone's going to be Joe Rogan, you know, no, not no. everyone's going to be, but dude, you're selling your art. Your house is paid. I mean, that's fucking awesome. I'm, I'm so inspired right now. I'm so inspired right now. I mean, this is crazy. And I can relate with the art uh, as well. So my best friend who did pass away, who I created, um, some people know uh, Final Phase Records, and we had that whole history, but he was uh, my favorite artist. I, I, um, he left me a pa- uh, He gave me a painting well, a couple weeks before he passed away because he never would. He was such a uh, perfectionist. And I used to, I was his manager for a while because he couldn't deal with the business side of things with music or his art. And I used to have these conversations you're talking about, about how much it's worth. And he couldn't let go. And then towards the end of his life, um, he started actually doing this thing, which I think is so cool. And someday I want to try to do a gallery where we, but he would uh, just take his paintings with Instagram um, because he would would drive himself crazy trying to come up with a value and he wouldn't want to sell. And he would just um, put it on Instagram, leave it somewhere in Manhattan. And definitely, he didn't say this part, but I think I'm almost positive. I could picture him definitely probably lurking far away and seeing um and he would you know post it on instagram hey it's right here blah 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 and then it became kind of like a hot commodity in new york city towards the end of his life um but i thought that was cool because he couldn't deal with how much was it worth it would freak him out and i would come up with these numbers or whatever and he just never could come up with it. and that's cool that you had a little bit uh, somewhat of a business sense to come up with a number that you feel comfortable with to sell your art because it's so hard for artists to come up with that number it drives yeah, it them nuts it's almost not fair i wish like i wish artists never had to worry about business sides of things because it will drive i've seen it firsthand uh i've managed quite a few djs and like i said artists and all that stuff and it does drive them business uh, drives them nuts and i wish they never had to deal with that but once again instagram social media it does make it a lot easier you know, his, the way he thought about it was just give it away. Just it's like, almost like throwing it away. He would literally just take these big canvases and just leave them. And, uh, and you know, he'd post, like I said, post it on Instagram and then it would be gone. That's an interesting, um, would rather give it away than have to sell it. But at the same time, I know artists that they always price themselves out. Mm-hmm. They wanted yeah. so much for stuff, and they're yes. like, "That's what it's worth." And I said, "What do you sell a picture for now?" And he goes, "Well, I haven't sold any." I said, "That's unfortunately what it's fucking worth." I said, "So you need to start building. You can't obviously. I mean, you, I guess you can give it away, but um, you know, if nobody can buy your paintings or nobody has any, it's hard to build demand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so you getting yours out for, like you said, a price that's um, easily." palatable for people and not just trying to kill them is going to build your brand and you know maybe you will make big canvases that you're able to get a lot more for but if nobody knows who you are you know say you hadn't sold any then nobody there would never become a big demand you know but you have a lot of you're you're known now and your art is known and it's out there so that's really you know what you have to do yeah and um, a, another way I got got ahead was say I started hitting up surf resorts in Indonesia and saying hey would you trade art for accommodation mm. room and board yeah. and, uh, and a lot of them were like yeah you know because my art's ocean, ocean related and so 
Yeah, they they would put me up for a couple months. Oh, wow. And I would just paint the whole time I was there, and then they would take all the art, and then I would get room and board, serve as much as I want. Awesome. And then, yeah, and what that led to was the guests would come, they would see me working, these Australian guys, Brazilian guys, French, you know, wherever they're from. Mm-hmm. They'd see me on the veranda working, or they'd see the art um, on the walls of these resorts, and they'd be like, oh, that's cool, I want one of those, you know, like, what do you charge for this and that, you know? And, and I'd always take down their, their info, you know? And when I get home, I'd hit them up. I'd be like, Hey, remember you said you might want a painting. And sure enough, it's like now, now that's another income stream. Like guys, it's a way to, to meet people without, without doing the hard sale or to it's, you don't have to have a gallery, you know, it's like people meet you along the way. They get to know you by your story a little bit, by your surfing ability. And um, it's, it just makes it more relatable. But you got yeah. to that point because you were willing to put yourself out there. Is, exactly. Is yeah. the ultimate, yeah. you know, you have to put yourself and your art out there. And I understand people get attached to stuff, but you got to do what you're doing and get it out there. And, and that's a great trade off. You know, you didn't get a lot of people probably wouldn't do that because they're not getting direct money that they can you're spend. Right. But you still got value out of those paintings. Oh, for sure. Yeah, some of those resorts, it's like $300 a night, $500 a night, you know, and you're staying two months and yeah. just enjoying it. And then a lot of times it led to where, hey, can you can you take these guys out on the boat? Can you, can you be a guide, you know, once you learn the conditions around there? Mm-hmm. That led to the job that I'm doing now, you know, surf guiding, managing the resort, and being able to, like, speak to the – speak Indonesian to, from in between the staff and the, the guests, you know, that really helps too. Sounds like a magical place. Oh, it's it sounds that, like- that that's the podcast I'm working on right now. I'm in the middle of episode one. I'm trying to go into the history of Neos because it's got this super dark history, man. They, oh, really? These guys were headhunters, wow. and they they raided other villages and enslaved them. And it's like it 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 parallels the darkest things that 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 people talk about in conspiracy websites, like blood royal bloodlines and elite power structure you know like yeah i'm working on it right now but it well i'll be it, listening just because you're a fan of a podcast doesn't make you a, a yeah. good podcaster is what i'm learning it's like yeah. oh my god this is so difficult you can do it man you've done a lot you, you've done a lot <laughs> yeah, you, I, I think you can do it for sure <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty pretty certain um but uh before we wrap it up um i do want to ask where can everyone find your art Oh, the best place is probably Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Phil Goodrich Art, and it's got underscores in between that, mm-hmm. in between the words. And um, in uh, Facebook, it's just Phil Goodrich or Phil Goodrich Art. Either one. We'll link. Uh, we'll we'll link you in the the bios, right? Right, Clint. We'll yeah, I'm linked up. Um, so we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but um, I think we, we're going to need more time. So I'd like to have you back on. I'd like to have you on after you get your podcast going, too. Because um, oh, there's more sure. we should have talked about. But uh, we had a little, like I said, we had a couple, a little bit of technical difficulties. So we're, we got, we started a little later than we like. But uh, it's been such a pleasure. You're such an interesting guy. You're very, uh, an inspiration, I might say, too. And I really hope uh, you've inspired some of our Swarm listeners or any of our free-thinking fans. Um I don't know. Yeah, that, you got that's anything? what I wanted to do. I mean, if I just 
I, I wrote down goals and I was like, reach out to some podcasts because that, I mean, to me, that's the future. And I mean, I don't know how many listeners you have, but even if one or two people got inspired or got an idea from it, you know, that's, that's what you guys are trying to do. Like Clint, Clint, you and Clint, you're doing the comedy club and, and laughter mm. is so important. Mm. People need to laugh right now. And, and, and it's, it's scientifically proven that laughter change your mood and change your life, you know? And so if us having this conversation, if, if it can inspire like one person, five people, you know, that's, I mean, that's a high minded goal to have. And then, and then selfishly, you know, like if people, it turns people onto my art, that's cool too, you know, and turns people onto your restaurant, your comedy club. I mean, yes. what are we doing here? You know, it's like the best we can do. I can't close it out better than that. That was yeah. amazing. Phil, that was a, so much fun. Uh, it was great and inspiring. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you, Swarm.